Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, or our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. Amen. All right. So as some of you know, we preach through the lectionary and the passages, I don't get to determine. They're predetermined. It's four years out. We cruise through it, which is beautiful. It's what I love um, because then we don't just cherry pick passages and just kind of like find what we want to preach on. And, and it just, it keeps us well-rounded throughout scripture. And, um, and so this week uh, it's going to be in second Corinthians. And if you want to track with me, I actually, I'm going to read from, it'll be on the screen, um, the message version. And I know it's uh, a paraphrase, uh, but what it does to help understand this passage is beautiful. If you want to read it on other translations during the week, feel free to do that. Um, But I feel like it helps add to the teaching and what's going on. And then we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. And we've, I think I preached on this maybe three, four months ago, the transfiguration where the disciples will actually... um, Peter, James, and John see Jesus in all his glory. They see, and God talks to him. We're going to talk about that in a second. But um, those are the two passages we're going to look at. Kind of familiar, but then um, we're going to look at what darkness looks like. So I titled this Seeing the Darkness because um, you'll see here in a second what Paul does in 2 Corinthians to warn the Corinthians, the church in Corinth, um, about darkness that creeps into our lives that is all around us. I'm going to spend some time. I'm just going to preface this and just like warn you. I'm going to talk about the darkness before I talk about the light. And so just so you know, you're like, this is going to get a little depressing for a second. You're going to be like, whoa, this is getting heavy right off the bat. I'm just warning you, okay? I'm not trying to like, um, yeah, just scare you. But we have to talk about the darkness before we talk about the light. So um, let me read this passage and you'll see why. If our message is obscure to anyone, it's not because we're holding back in any way. No, it's because these other people are looking or going the wrong way and refuse to give it serious attention. All they have eyes for is the fashionable God of darkness. I love how Eugene Peterson put that, the fashionable God of darkness. Okay, that's kind of the highlight of what we're going to look at and what he's talking about. He says, they think he can give them what they want and that they won't have to bother believing a truth they can't see. They're stone blind to the day spring brightness of the message that shines with Christ, who gives us the best picture of God we'll ever get. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the master, All we are as messengers, errand runners for Jesus, for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness. And our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. This line where he says, all they have eyes for is the fashionable God of darkness, intrigues me. I I love the kind of the poetic language of that. Um, And we're going to expand on it, obviously, to, to really talk about what Paul's trying to teach us here. And he said, they think they can give them, they think that he can give them what they want. And what I want to do is for a few moments, 
talk about what that looks like because I think sometimes we talk about darkness and we head nod and go, yeah, there's darkness around us and it's bad and I don't want to be a part of it. But I think there's subtle ways that that happens, okay? So there's literal darkness. Malia here, I don't want her to hear me, but um, raise your hand if your kids or if you were scared of the dark when you were a kid. My hand is nice still. Okay, so literal darkness is scary, right? Um, For those of us that were honest in the room and able to admit to it, it's scary. Um, My kids still have that fear where they're like, can you leave the light on? And just having a small amount of light does something for them. I try and reason with them in every possible way. The same way that my parents probably tried to reason with me, that it was like, you don't need a nightlight. Like, your, your eyes are shut and it's dark anyways. You're not going to, whatever it is, you've made up in your mind, it doesn't exist. But that literal darkness, for some reason, it's woven into all of us, right? Even if you're sitting here and you don't believe in God, you know that that darkness does something and it like, the demons come out in our mind. They exist, okay? Um, so there's the literal darkness. And then what I want to hit more on is the spiritual like the metaphorical darkness that he's talking about here, okay? Um, have you ever felt completely alone in a situation? And yet, if someone asked you, your aloneness, your darkness, your situation, if someone asked you, is there one person that you could call on right now that you could like journey through this with? You'd probably say yes. And how much does that begin to transform that situation. When we feel alone, we feel completely dark and hopeless, right? There's something that happens when we're alone and isolated, but here's the deal. Darkness, I think, wants to keep you in that place, thinking you're alone. But the reality is, you could call on one person. I'm sure we all have one person that you could say, hey, I'm going through this hard time. Can you just like help me out? Give me some advice, give me some input, give me some prayer. And you'd suddenly feel like, oh, the weight's been lifted. And it doesn't have quite the power it, it should have, right? But isolation has this thing, completely alone. There's times where we feel that. Darkness creeps in and uses that. Um, how about fears, doubts, or insecurities in your job? Ever been there? This is a subtle way that darkness will creep in and be like, you're not qualified. What makes you think that you could do that? Like, you get paid how much to do what? Like, I'm sure if everybody knew, they'd be like, you're a hypocrite, you know? Any of these doubts, you could, that list goes forever, right? That is darkness creeping in. That is evil creeping in, trying to deceive you. But if you shared any of those things with someone else, they'd be like, no, you're a hard worker. No, I see you're worth that. Like, don't doubt yourself, you know? And other people don't see it, but you see it because there's that lie, that darkness that he talks about. They think he can give them what they want, but it doesn't, right? And so we keep, like, falling into these things. Um, How about uh, the dark parts of this world that are very tangible? I just mentioned Haiti. Um, If you've traveled anywhere outside the United States, um, you've probably seen a bit of this, but I've seen it most when I go to Haiti, and I've been there like 10 times-ish, and I've seen literal darkness in people, like demon-possessed. Like we have video that we had to erase because I didn't want that on my phone, and I don't want that anywhere because that evil is, I saw how real it was. It gives me chills just thinking about it and talking about it right now. We don't see it here because I think we're kind of inundated with like comfort and like making everything like kind of okay. And if it's like kind of evil, we kind of write it off as something else, as like a psychological thing or something. 
in Haiti, we've seen literal people rolling on the on the floor like demon possessed, like you know where their eyes roll back and you see there is a demon going on and then seeing them delivered and then sitting at peace and going, that's not the same person. I don't know what just happened. But I've seen pure evil darkness literally like manifested in those ways. Um, how about a more subtle way that evil seeps in? So again, I'm just trying to like paint a picture of what this looks like. Um, ever been super tired at the end of the week or end of the day and you're like, I'm just going to scroll Instagram, Facebook, some kind of social media thing, or I'm just going to watch TV and zone out? Just me? Okay. <laughs> that is a subtle way that darkness will come in and deceive you and think, oh, this will be good. This will make me feel better. How many of you have felt really great at the end of like watching, zoning out, social media, whatever, and felt like that was such a beneficial time in my life that like, I feel great now. You're just, okay. <laughs> no one, no one raised their hand. It's, it's one of those deceiving things that like the darkness wants to convince us that that'll help you. You'll now feel better. And I could also just expand and say, how many of you have bought something thinking that you'll now be happy when you buy this thing on Amazon or a store or whatever? And you're like, you get it. And you're like, mm, yeah, it was great for like a minute. And now I'm done. Right? Like that is, that is evil darkness creeping in in a subtle way, just saying, this will make you happy. This will make you content. Um, oh. We got the alarm. Did we? Maybe, maybe we didn't uh, fully turn off the alarm. Uh, the, oh, is it opening? Maybe someone opened it over there? I don't know what's going on, but we'll figure it out. Um, if the alarm goes off, just let me know. I'll, I'll turn it off. I know the code. Um, so there's subtle ways that evil will creep in and make us feel like this, is, this will be great. And it never does. It never delivers possessions. Um, they're just momentary fleeting joy. And, and for some reason, we know that because many of you laughed when I mentioned that, but yet we go back to it, don't we? And we go back to it again. And we go back to it again. Well, this thing will just make my life complete. And now I'll be totally ready for life and that much better and that much more efficient. And yet we're back at it again. That's the deceiving part of darkness that creeps into our lives. Um, Darkness even creeps in through seemingly good things, okay? Um, this is where I, I want to preface it. I want you to hear this. Um, learning, growing, being intellectually sharp is important. But here's what I want you to hear. Some of us will take that and think that that will solve our world's problems. Being intellectually, if I get more information, more in, input, Input, input. If I learn about everything else, then I'll know how to handle my life and other people's lives and everything will be like, will work out. Input is not the solution. And I'm not saying be dumb, okay? Love reading, read books, get knowledge, gain it. But if that's the thing that you think is gonna solve the world's problems, solve your problems, it's not enough. Just ask a parent. Read lots of parenting books. It doesn't help you as a parent 100%. Yes, it's informative. Yes, it gives you info to go, yeah, how do I handle my kid in this situation? How do I begin to do this? But it does not prepare you like real-world experience, right? Uh, marriage books. Maybe you read marriage books, and you're like, how do I like figure out my marriage? You can have all the information in the world and still be a horrible husband or wife. Amen? 
Okay, well, not amen, but <laughs> we, we know that that can happen, right? We, we're all there. We're trying to figure that out. Um, and all the single people said amen. Um, but there is, there is a deceptive thing that happens where it's like, if I get more information, I'll somehow have it all figured out. It doesn't. That's darkness coming in, trying to skew your mind and make you think that you'll get it all figured out. Darkness is all around us. But do we see it? This is the last example, and then I'll move on. Um, this is one that I, uh, an interesting one that I think is so subtle, so unique, uh, nuanced, but if we're aware of it, we see it. So my kids, they, they love watching Mr. Beast. Anybody know who Mr. Beast is? Okay. Uh, a lot of head nodding. Mr. Beast, um, very intriguing because of the challenges that he does and gets people engaged in whatever activity it is, but then at the end, or a lot of his episodes on YouTube, you'll see he's very generous. Like, we'll give away thousands and thousands of dollars. And my kids are like, I don't like watching it because everything about it is all like, it's almost like, a, um, it's shock jock, it's like entertainment. Let me do something like totally off the wall to get your, to keep your eyes on my channel, basically. Um, and I don't know what another, a better term is it for like attention, like just constantly trying to bite your attention, like the more crazy off the wall, insane, like destroy a Ferrari, like, okay, cool. But like, what does that do for us? You know, like, I'm sure it's entertaining to some degree. Like I'm kind of intrigued. I'm like, whoa, they just smashed that Ferrari in like a, a metal cruncher, you know, like that's a expensive car and it's totally wasted. Um, but then there's like extreme generosity and their argument to me is always like, but look, look how much money he gives away. Look how much good he does. And I'm like, hold on a second. You know that when he gives away $50,000, that that is a drop in the bucket to the amount of likes and subscribes. That's why he's always like, like and subscribe. That's going to translate to hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's a drop in the bucket. He takes a portion of that and goes, yeah, let's give it out. But then he makes tons and tons and tons of money. They don't realize that. They're like, how much does he make? We Google it. We look it up. And we're like, whoa, he is making loads of money off of giving away $50,000 and you thinking he's generous or $100,000 or whatever. Make it big because it'll get more likes, more subscribers, more subs, right? Um, and so that's where the subtle lie comes in because that is not generosity, if the camera wasn't there, he wouldn't be giving away $50,000, would he? That's fake generosity. That's, and what I think they start to learn, and maybe they don't, hopefully they don't, um, is this subtle idea that true selflessness, true empathy, wouldn't have a camera there, right? It wouldn't get likes and subscribes. It would be done in secret. It would be done in privacy. It wouldn't gain you lots of ad revenue as a result of your generosity. Um, that's a subtle lie that creeps in. And I share that because I think that's a great example of ways that our culture has told us that's generosity, that's nice, that's great, that's what loving people do. But I don't, I, there's an ulterior motive there because they gain out of that. And the challenge comes when we begin to learn what it looks like to give out of secrecy, when we give out of selflessness, 
where we get nothing in return. There's no attaboy, girl pat on the back as a result of what you did. And so going back to the very first line there that we see is that this dark lie that he's talking about is that we think that we'll somehow, by buying into that darkness, that that'll be good for us. That darkness doesn't deliver. Um, Dallas Willard talks about this challenge of giving and secrecy, and I'm going to use this as an example because I think it really unpacks really how we begin to push back that darkness and how light begins to enter into this situation. Um, where faithful generosity got hijacked, um, pride and ego stepped in, right? There's a pride of like, look what I did, right? And so more people see that and more people want to do that and kids across the United States or the world, I don't know, want to be like Mr. Beast because they want that same attention because they know that that will make them famous, that will give them the attention that they want, right? But what Dallas Willard talks about is giving in secrecy. And here's one of my challenges for us this week is, I've taken this challenge before, but what he says is, what I want you to do is do something generous for somebody. Not just a small thing, but something that's fairly generous that other people will notice or that they might brag about and do it in secret. And watch how your inner dialogue unfolds. As you see that person going, I don't know who would have been so generous to me. I don't know who would have done this. And everything in you wants to go, well, I, I just wanted to do it out of the kindness of my heart. You just want to say something. No, secrecy, 100% secrecy. You give them the money, you do the thing, and then you watch them, and you watch it unfold, and you get zero credit. Watch what happens in your inner dialogue. You will, I guarantee you, I'm a pastor and I had that dialogue of like, well, God could get credit for this because it's like, you know, like it's me, a Christian doing a nice thing for somebody. And so like, maybe I should just tell them so that God gets credit and it doesn't just get like someone else. Like maybe their parents, I'll think their parents did or something. And they're just like, they get credit for it. And then some false person is going to get credit for this really generous act that I did. Do you see how that can happen? Like, I just challenge you to do it. Dallas Willard does this because he knows that that will reveal something in your heart. And it's really good to realize that because then we push back darkness. We push back that ego that says, I did it. Look how awesome I am. Look how great I am. I am such a good person because I'm doing biblical things, right? Like I'm living Jesus kind of life. And it, it reveals it. And I would just challenge you to do it. Really, like, don't just hear this and go, yeah, that'd be kind of cool, but do it. Like, It'll, it'll change your life, I promise. Um, so I'm learning that this darkness, it creeps in and none of us are exempt. Every single one of us have this, this capacity. Um, I have a few circles of friends that I'm really close with that are extremely honest about their lives and transparent about the challenges that they face. And every time I think that I'm alone in something, I realize that they're all dealing with it as well in some way. The darkness is trying to creep in in their lives in some way. It's different at different times of life, but I'm recognizing that none of us are exempt. We all have this darkness trying to creep in, um, and we all face this spiritual battle of like the dark and light that's going to exist. Um, it's going to come in various forms. That's why I tried to list off a lot to try and capture our imagination of like there's subtle ways and there's very obvious ways that we see in Haiti, right? 
everything in between. We have to be aware of it. In 2 Corinthians, this is in 4, uh, 5 through 6, it says, All they have eyes for is the fashionable God of darkness. Again, it's that poetic word, the fashionable God of darkness. It's so fashionable. Mr. Beast is fashionable, right? It's trendy. It's cool. They think you can give them what they want and that they won't have to bother believing a truth that they can't see. And that's a unique thing is that we can't always see God. We can't always see the very tangible acts of how God is at work in our lives. That's why it's faith. Um, but there's something that the Holy Spirit does, and he goes on and he says, um, they're stone blind to the dayspring brightness of the message that shines with Christ, who gives us the best picture of God we'll ever get. And as we begin to live in Christ, you begin to see Christ's humility. We Even the most skeptical person will be like, Jesus was a good teacher. And they'll be like, because we all know that that humility, that that generosity, that kind of love, that acceptance for people, that there's something beautiful about that that we all want. Um, but it's not, it's not demonstrated all around us all the time, is it? We see a lot more of the, the ego, the pride. Um, and so what Paul does here is he says, begin to parse out, like begin to see that darkness that exists. Begin to see how it'll creep in. Be aware of it. And what I've, um, I've been reading this book um, good and it talks about like really like what the good life looks like what does it look like to be happy there's a documentary a series talking about people that are happy and content right in the blue zones around the world i don't have time to fully get into it um but a lot of the longevity research that people have done there's the the book i'm reading it's been an 80 year long research project of like figuring out like different communities around the world like who's happy content where they find um true meaning um all of them point to this core need of addressing that we have a relational need, right? An emotional need and a spiritual need. And evil will try and creep in in all those areas. That relational need will be like, no, I can do it on my own. I don't need other people. It's messy when I start to hang out with other people and they disagree and they have difference of opinion and like different things that I really care about. And but they also love me and they also care for me and they like pray for me in the midst of my burden. So we have this tension when it comes to like being in community, being in a room together like this, being in Bible study together, being in close relationship with people. So we have relational needs, but we, we a lot of times like we'll buy this dark lie that says, no, you can do it on your own. Um, the emotional need that we have an emotional connection that we need. We need to be affirmed. We need to be encouraged during the week. We need to have those things existing in our lives. And yet sometimes we'll be like, no, I don't need that. I can do this via other means. Um, and then we definitely deny that there's a spiritual aspect that's very hidden at times. Um, and the darkness doesn't want you to know that that exists and that there's that, cha there's that challenge. And so... I just want to read Romans 8 that talks about this battle and what it looks like to begin to say, I want to put the spirit first, and then we're going to close out. Um, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So again, those three things that our world has figured out, like we need that spiritual, we need the physical, we need the emotional. Those things 
our needs that we have, but it says, set our, our minds, uh, what is the flesh? But those who live in accordance to the Holy Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is what? Life and peace. I believe that all those things we listed before are all there to like destroy us, to create angst, to create frustration, sorrow, anger in our lives, um, a lack of contentment. But what we see here over and over as you read scripture is this invitation to follow the spirit, to follow the Holy Spirit in our lives, to be more like Christ and begin to discover that in that is life. And I love it, it says peace that there's a contentment, that there's like a, things are going to be in its right place. Not everything's going to get sorted. That's true, you're going to face problems. The darkness will never, it will forever uh, come at you. It will never relent. But we have peace when we begin to put our minds on the Spirit and we say, I want to be led by the Spirit 24-7. I just want to be living in God's presence. I want to be led by that and reminded that we're in God's hands. Like he loves us. He cares for us. He deeply longs to see us thrive and push back that darkness, not only in our lives, but in other people's lives. Because we get to be participants in that. That if you have a friend, acquaintance, somebody you run into that's dealing with darkness and you do something to bring light in that situation, you say an encouraging word, you live out with generosity in some way, with love in some way, that sets them free that then they now have a sense of life and a sense of peace. And that's what we're invited to do on a continual basis. Um, I'm going to probably not do justice to this, but Mark chapter 9, um, just to kind of like close out where we're at because we're out of time. But um, in Mark chapter 9, Peter, James, and John have a, interaction with Jesus on a mountaintop where they see Jesus in full brightness. It says like his, his robe shone like the whitest white you've ever seen. There's this bright light and then there's God's voice speaking and saying, this is my son whom I love. And it says, listen to him. I find great joy in him. And here's what Peter says, because Peter was there and experienced this. Um, Oh, where is it there? Uh, so Peter says for, and this is in Second Peter. So this is a letter that was written later after all of his experience with Jesus, mountaintop experience, denying Jesus, then recognizing, being reinstated in ministry and recognizing, no, like God is, he's real. I've experienced, I've seen it. And now is like a really powerful, influential leader in the early church and is now like leading other people to follow Christ. Um, here's what he says. He says, for we're not making up clever stories when we are told about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father, when God spoke to him on that mountaintop. So again, this is years later, him looking back. And he says, um, the voice of the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven and when we were with him on the holy mountain. He says this because he's looking back and going, I saw that and I still denied Jesus. 
I saw that and I still went through a process of going, is this real? He saw that and darkness still convinced him that he should deny it. So that's how powerful the darkness can be in our lives, right? And I think that's why I want to say this because we have to take it seriously. Like we can't just take this lightly and be like, oh, it's just darkness. It's just Mr. Beast. It's just this, all these different ways that like subtle, like things come into our lives. It's serious. It's subtle, but it's serious. And it slowly convinces us that life in the spirit is just, eh, it's not that important. And what Peter does is he understands it. He's like, I was tempted, drawn away. Like that darkness convinced me of a serious lie that Jesus was not real. And then he saw him resurrected. And that's what he points out. He's like, we saw God talk to him. We saw this whole thing. And I was skeptical, but yet it was real. And that's why I'm talking about it years later to show you. I went through that process of doubt, of like going, I don't know about this whole thing. And it became a reality. And so what I want to do is just like, I guess, with our imagination, begin to think about, imagine Peter, James, and John coming off that mountain, seeing Jesus, shining bright, God's voice. Imagine waking up the next morning, going like, do you know what you just saw? Do you know how insane that was? And then going back to normal life. And Jesus says, don't talk about it. He tells them, don't tell everybody about what happened. This is like between me and you until after the resurrection, like then you can talk about it. But until then, I want you to keep this a secret. I think they would have been confused and they probably would have like, I don't know, they, they, they wouldn't know how to articulate what they saw and people would have said they're crazy. But now afterwards they go, you know what, the supernatural took place and I know that you're skeptical. I know that you're probably reading this going, I don't know what's going on here. Like, we're not making up these stories. This is why he says that. He says in the very beginning, he says, we're not making up clever stories when we told you about this. This is something we experienced. And so I want to put ourselves in his shoes. Like, if we've seen that kind of light, if we've seen that beautiful light that is in Jesus, and I'm not just talking about the, like, literal light. I'm talking about if you've seen in Jesus something that is so beautiful, so desirable, Shouldn't we chase after that? Shouldn't we desire that? Shouldn't we want that more every single day? And, and that's the invitation, and that's what we see here. And so I want to close with um, just kind of like a practical way how to live this out in one minute, and I'm going to pray with a, a question that I'm going to leave you um, that we'll talk about throughout the week. Um, but the disciples, they were studying under Jesus to become more like Jesus, to learn how to push back that darkness. And the ways that Jesus taught them was to be active in your faith. You can't just talk about it, think about it, intellectualize about it. This has to be lived out. And so I think on a real tangible way, of like how do we begin to push back that darkness? We have to have just a faithful commitment to studying God's word. We have to be in the word more than just on a Sunday here together. Um, you have to be studying it and digging into it and being reminded, oh yeah, there's, there's beautiful joy in following Jesus. I love it. Um, call on the Father, exactly. Um, we have to be faithful to fellowship because when I get isolated, I know that those dark lies start to come into my head and then I think I'm the only one dealing with it. So you have to be faithful in fellowship. You have to be faithful in what we do here on a Sunday morning is like step one of that. And I would say continue to do that. Find people that are believers that will encourage you and push you in that right direction to be faithful in that. Faithful in prayer. 
Um, if we're going to push back that darkness, those doubts, the fears, the insecurities in our mind, we have to be in prayer. There has to be times where we put the phone down and we just pray. Morning, afternoon, evening, throughout your day as you're driving, as those doubts, fears, insecurities step in, the anxieties, just say, Lord, what, what lie is happening right now? What lie is Satan trying to convince me of to like try and rob me of joy right now? Um, and I'm pretty sure you'll probably have the answer and you'll go, oh yeah, that's what we talked about. That's what, that's what you taught me in scripture. That's what you modeled for me, Jesus. And then faithfully serving that when we get out of ourselves and we begin to serve others. So please take that challenge. Try and do something generous in secrecy this week. In serving somebody, you'll see how it'll start to like change your mindset and you'll start to go, you know what, I do need to do that without any credit. I need to do that without getting a pat on the back. I need to do that without getting any kind of return, nothing. Because then I know that I'm doing it because I'm doing it for God, not for approval of other people. And then faithful to Sabbath rest, that when we're running on a rat wheel, continually running and running, we just end up tired, and that's where I think darkness can come in really quick and, and rob us. If we're working too hard during the week and we're just like burning the candle at both ends, that gives Satan an opportunity to just come in and just be like, well, here you go. Let me throw a little lie at you, like how you're not worth this and how you need to give up right now and you're a horrible father, husband, wife, whatever, daughter, what, whatever it is. There'll be a lie that'll come in when you're super tired because that's your weakest point. So be faithful to rest, to sleep, take a nap. <laughs> it's okay. I'm giving you permission. Take a nap. Um, the lens that we look through um, as we approach darkness and light is super crucial and so my encouragement would just be see it see it all the time Um, and my question like as we go into this week is do we listen to the Holy Spirit um, as the single voice in our lives do we listen to the Holy Spirit as the thing that I listen to all the time Um, let me pray Lord um, we want to hear your voice we want to make sure that we are listening to you, Jesus, and nothing else. We know that there are subtle lies that culture, the world wants to convince us of and help us not to buy into that. Help us to sort out what is good and what is evil, what is there to build us up and what is there to break us down. Give us discernment in those areas. Most of all, we want your Holy Spirit to speak to us. So work through us. as we take opportunities this week to love, to serve, to process what it looks like to be people who follow you, Jesus, every step of the way. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen.